Hello, and welcome to the Agios Dose. My name is Bill Dykstra. Today is May 15th, 2019, and we commemorate St. Pacomius the Great. We are about to look at someone today who played a large part in the development of Christian monasticism. Pacomius was one of the desert fathers of early Christianity. For those of you unaware, a large part of the monastic movement began in the deserts of Egypt in the 3rd century. As Christianity was spreading, more and more people, in penance for their past sins and for the freeing of themselves from the passions, sought out the desert as a place of combat. Many might believe that seclusion from the world is being some sort of a cop-out from temptations. However, in actuality, for the Christian monk, the desert is a place of great conflict and chaos, noisier than any city ever was, because it opens up the monk to the depths of their own heart. Now let's investigate Pacomius and his contribution to this movement. Pacomius was born in the late 3rd century, sometime around 292, to a pagan family. He came of age during the reign of Maximinus. Maximinus led an open civil war against his fellow emperors Licinius and Constantine. At the age of 21, Pacomius was forced into Maximinus's rebel army. From Upper Thebius, with other draftees, he was floated down the Nile, arriving at Thebes. They were kept locked up in, in, and, uh, in horrible conditions. Now, Thebes had a large Christian population. Being a people who comforted the afflicted, the Christians of the city sought out to minister to those drafted in Maximinus's war. Pacomius inquired into why these people were motivated to do such things, such things as supplying himself and his fellow conscripts with money and supplies for nothing in return. The answer that Pacomius got was the gospel. He found out that they were motivated for the love of Jesus, the Lord. It is said that growing up, Pacomius hated the pagan worship of his parents. He also hated the intemperance and lust that was so pervasive in his culture. Despite being a pagan, Pacomius was inclined to love virtue, something that was affirmed and encouraged in the Christian religion. Pacomius was inspired by their faith and came to confess Christ as Lord. Eventually, Maximinus lost his war, fled, and died. When Pacomius arrived home, he found a Christian church and became a catechumen. Upon his baptism, he prayed such, O God, creator of heaven and earth, cast on me an eye of pity, deliver me from my miseries, teach me the true way of pleasing you and it should be the whole employment and most earnest study of my life to serve you and to do your will. After his baptism, Pacomius wished to live for Christ earnestly, devoting all that he was to Jesus. However, at the same time, he knew that there were dangers of zeal. He knew it was possible to get carried away. Too much wind in the sail could lead a ship to hurl itself into rocks. He sought out a spiritual father, someone who could mentor him in spirituality and in a life devoted to God. At this point, there were hermits in the deserts of Egypt, living out their lives of penance in order to become holy. Pacomius was brought under the guidance of one of these hermits. His name was Palamon. Pacomius had pleaded with Palamon to accept him, and he agreed, but with a warning. Consider, my son, that my diet is only bread and salt. I drink no wine, use no oil, 
watch one half of the night, spending that time in singing psalms or in meditating on the Holy Scriptures, and sometimes pass the whole night without sleeping. Under the guidance of Palamon, Pacomius learned the hermetical way of life, becoming pure and humble, included an ever-watchfulness of the soul. Fighting against the devil and the many ways he attempts to undermine the work of God in us. The austerity of the two was so radical that on Easter, Palamon shamed Pacomius for having prepared oil to eat along with bread, salt, and herbs. Pacomius would venture to a more remote place in the desert called Sabina on the banks of the Nile. It is there that the saint heard the voice of God to build a monastery on that very site. An angel also came to him to instruct him how the community was to live their lives. Palamon aided in the construction of the monastery, but retired back to his own desert dwelling and died a year later. In time, Pacomius's monastery would draw many men wishing to live this new lifestyle. It revolved around a strict regime of manual labor, fasting, and prayer. No one was to be admitted to holy orders. With the popularity of the monastery, Pacomius began many more in the Egyptian deserts. He was dedicated to his lifestyle, so much so that when he was visited by his own sister, he refused to meet with her, for women were not permitted within the confines of the monastery. She insisted that she too wished to live according to this monastic lifestyle. Pacomius, on the other side of the Nile, then built his sister her own monastery, which attracted many women. Something distinct about Pacomius' approach was that he would not pray for bodily healing for those who came to him with ailments. It was Pacomius's belief that suffering was for our betterment, and that if one was sick, it meant that God had a purpose for the illness. However, this did not mean that there weren't any miracles worked from the saint. Pacomius had only ever learned his own native language, yet at times could speak perfectly fluent Greek and Latin if the situation called for it. Pacomius is considered the founder of Cenobenic monasticism. His rule for community life would be the inspiration for St. Basil's greater and lesser rules. Here is an excerpt from his rules identifying how willing men can enter the community. If anyone who comes to the door of the monastery with the purpose of quitting the world and to be considered among the brothers, he will not have the freedom to enter. They will start by informing the father of the monastery. The candidate will stay some days in the exterior, at the door. They will teach him the Lord's Prayer and the Psalms that he is able to learn. He will send careful proofs to show that his will motivates him to join. This is to make sure that they haven't committed a crime and, troubled by fear, had fled without delay to the monastery, or that he is a slave of someone. This will allow us to discern if he will be able to quit his relatives and to undervalue material riches. If he satisfies all these exigencies, they will teach him all of the disciplines of the monastery and what he should carry on in that which he has to accept, whether it is in the synaxes that gathers all of the brothers together, or in a house where he would be silent, or in the refectory. Instructed like that, and consumed in every good deed, he will be able to be with the brothers. 
Then he will be divested of his dresses from the century and dressed with the habit of the monks. Then he will be trusted to the doorman, who, during the time of prayer, will take him to the presence of all the brothers and will make him sit in his assigned place. The clothes that he brought will be received by the ones in charge of his duty and kept in the clothier's trade and at the disposition of the father of the monastery. In 348, a plague swept through Pacomius's monasteries. The saint fell ill, yet maintained his vigor, and he suffered cheerfully unto his death. Many of the desert fathers, famous for their heroic sacrifices, owe their formation to the work of Pacomius. And now today's Contacium. O God-bearing Pacomius, after living the life of angels in thy body, thou wast granted their glory. Now thou art standing with them before God's throne and praying that we all may be forgiven. Thank you for listening. This has been your Daily Dose of Agios. St. Pacomius, pray for us.